Hello and welcome back to Getting Down to Business. Today we'll be speaking with Mr. Baker, George Westinghouse College Prep Vice Principal. We will be speaking with Mr. Baker about controversial issues going on with our school. For example, the uprising of physical altercation. We will also know about his background and how and why he chose to be a vice principal at a Chicago public school. Join us today on Getting Down to Business. Good morning, my name is Sidration Heron. I'm an intern with the Stark Hive program at Harold Washington Library. Today we'll be speaking with Mr. Baker, uh, assistant principal at George Westinghouse College Prep. And today we'll be going in detail with him about his career, things that he has done in the past to that has led up to his career and such. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Baker. Of course. Um, let's start with the uh, basic question. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah. Um, so my name is Harrison Baker. I am originally from Prince George's County, Maryland, um, just outside of D.C. Uh, I went to Bucknell University, and I went to Bucknell University to study finance. Um, I thought that, you know, I wanted to work in a bank, wanted to be an investment banker. I wanted to make a lot of money. Um, and so I did go on to, uh, after college, work for J.P. Morgan. Um, worked there for about three years. I really enjoyed J.P. Morgan for about six months, though. That's it. Um, after that, I was trying to decide what it is that I want to do. And so I reached back out to my university to help me kind of figure out uh, another career that would fit who I am as a, as a person um, and what it is that I like to do. And I uh, kind of figured out that teaching was the was the way to go. And so um, I started my teaching career in Philadelphia in 2012, and the rest is history. So what made you go from financing to teaching? Like, what drew you away from financing? Yeah, so in finance, it was just so boring. <laughs> it was literally the same thing every day. Um I worked in the middle office, and so I wasn't directly uh, client-facing, and that is one of the things that I like to do. I'm a people's person, and I like to talk to people and engage with people, um, and I didn't get an opportunity to do that in the middle office or in the back office working uh, in finance. Um, and so, again, like I, I, I have to shout out my university. There's a college and career center at my university, and even as... Um, an alumni, you're able to go back and say like, hey, I need some help figuring out what it is that I want to do. And they gave me a bunch of personality tests um, to really see like, well, who are you and what is it that you like to do? And it came back that I really like to engage with people and I really like to help people. Um, and I, it identified teaching as uh, a possible a possible option. I ran from teaching for a long time because standing in front of a bunch of people still made me nervous. <laughs> Um, but overcame that fear because I did not like finance so much. And I just thought that, you know, it's time to be brave and, uh, and give it a shot. And I fell in love with it from the moment that I stepped into the classroom. So you went into teaching. How long did you teach and what was the transition from teaching into becoming uh, or taking a bigger leadership role, such as a sense of principal? Yeah, so started teaching in 2012. I taught, sh like, like, strictly teaching, um, taught eighth grade math for 
four years in Philadelphia. When I moved to Chicago, let me back up. Before I moved to Chicago in Philadelphia, my first few years I was a teacher, um, but I, I knew that I wanted to be a leader in the school pretty early on. Um, but I also recognized that I didn't go to college for education. Um, and many of my peers were you know, already a few years ahead of me in terms of uh, their experience in education. So I set out to just learn as much about uh, the school as I possibly could. So my first year, I was an eighth grade math teacher. Um, the second year, I taught special education for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, I worked with the operations coordinator, so planning field trips and buses and things like that. Um, I worked side by side with the principal on the budget, utilizing some of my financial skills. Um, I was a teacher leader. I was a dean for summer school. Like I really did as much as I possibly could. When I moved to Chicago, I realized that all of those experiences set me up to run a math department. And so when I moved to Chicago, I worked for Noble Charter Schools and I was the math department chair. Um, and I also taught math that year. Uh, from there, I, I took a, a great leap and I applied to be a resident principal at a smaller charter school. Um, and that's where my, I think my real leadership experience came from. Um, so you took on a lot of roles while teaching in Philadelphia, um, and then that set you up for success here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. While in Philadelphia with all the leadership roles and all the involvement went in schools, were you that person that students can come to? Because here at West House, I do see you as someone that students can come to. Um, were you that person back in Philadelphia? Yeah, so I think I've, I have always been that person. Um, you know, one of the things, and this is, I played football in college, um, and in college we would go around to the, to the middle schools a lot, to the elementary schools as a football team, and, um, you know, talk with the, with the students there. I have, I have always enjoyed, like, those types of interactions. Um, so, yes, that was me in Philadelphia, and I think one of the, the big differences um, about about me in Philadelphia was that, uh, you know, I was able to just sit and listen and really understand what a lot of the students were going through. Um, but I, I, I always find it most impactful to just allow people to talk and just really listen. My first principal that I ever worked for, um, I say one of the things that he taught me, he was an amazing lis listener. Um, and I try to embody that both in Philly and here in Chicago. Um, as a, well, I'm going to assume, as a young minority, <laughs> what are some challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Yeah. Um, so I think as a kid, one of the challenges that I faced is that a lot of the, the cool things were detrimental for what I was trying to do in the future. Um, I grew up in an area where there was a lot of access to drugs, um, grew up in an area where uh, selling drugs was not um, a foreign concept, um, but those are also the, the same individuals, the, the older guys in the neighborhood, and even my, you know, my own family members, those were the guys that we looked up to because they had the nice shoes, and they drove the cool cars, and as a kid, you want that too. Um, and so I think before I was able to make really smart decisions for myself, I had parents who made smart decisions for me and kept me away from those things. Um, as a young 
minority professional, however, especially in education, one of the things that I find is that people try to uh, put us in a box. So we become the disciplinarians in school. Mm -hmm. We become the deans in school. Yeah. Um, but I've always enjoyed instruction. I've always enjoyed math. I like coaching teachers, right? I'm an instructional leader. And so that was one of the, the other things that I had to overcome is uh, feeling like I, w I didn't belong in the space because I didn't uh, portray the typical black man role in a, in a school. Mm -hmm. that's, that's relatable. Um, now, this year there has been a lot of physical altercations. Um, personally, for me, this is one of the most physical altercations in my high school career. Um, how is you... How do you, as a leader of the school, handle that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this year is unlike any other year in education ever. One of the things that I'm noticing is that our freshmen and sophomore, um, let me back up. I was a middle school teacher, <laughs> right? And I was a principal of an elementary and a middle school. And so I, I understand and I see the type of development that happens in young people from grades 6 to 8 or grades 7 to 8. Right. You are put into situations, social situations during that time that you are forced to navigate or a teacher will help you navigate those things and show you how to handle conflict, um, how to how to understand and deal with with difference. Our ninth and tenth graders this year missed a lot of that. Yeah. Right. Just because of two years of virtual learning. Mm -hmm. um, I think for our ninth graders, the last four full year of school was in sixth grade. So they missed seventh and eighth grade. They missed middle school. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing is just understanding that and understanding that there is a need here. There's a need to teach those social and emotional skills. They're, 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 right? Our students aren't fighting because they want to fight. Right? They're fighting because they're asking for help and they need some support in some areas. And so the first thing is just really understanding and grounding myself in that lens. Um, and the second is just, again, like I go back to listening. It's listening to our students, right? Yes, uh, you know, trying to untangle a situation may, you know, it, it may sound like a, like a lot or it may sound like the grievance was a nudge or someone stepped on my shoe or looked at me wrong, but it's always deeper than that. And if you just like sit and listen um, and continue to be curious and ask those questions, um, you know, we kind of get to the bottom of those things. And then we also, we, you know, we need parent support. And so one of the things that we're doing right now is just bringing in parents um, to have these conversations because while we may be the professionals in terms of pedagogy and, and teaching in the building, parents are the professionals of their children, right? Like they are the experts of their children. They know them better than, than anyone in this building knows them. Mm -hmm. So I think when we bring all of that together, um, you know, the, the solution is there. And so that is what we're working on. That, that's a different approach um, than most past principals or assistant principals have taken. Um, mm -hmm. In my experience, if kids got in fights in past schools, they would expel them or suspend them. They don't really try to get to the root of the problem or help yeah. them. So that's and, different. Well, and I will say, if I can write, like there are still consequences and yeah. I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be lost, right? Like there's still a suspension, but, but consequences are just that, right? They're just, they're just consequences. They don't fix anything at all. In fact, 
because of social media, uh, you know, suspensions actually add to the problem because yeah. a student goes home for two days, for three days, and during those two or three days, they are on social media, they're going back and forth and ready to get it popping yeah. when, <laughs> when they come back to school. And so we just have to understand that consequences are consequences. This is not solving the issue. So if we want to solve the issue, we have to listen to the people. Exactly. Um, so my final question for you is, um, as an assistant principal at West House, or even in your near future, what are your goals? Yeah. I feel like I, my goals change um, very often, but I think the one thing that stays consistent um, in terms of my goal is being able to meet the needs of um, the community that I'm in. Um, yeah, like my job as an assistant principal is to organize the resources that we have available to us as a as a school, as an institution, um, and organize those in a way that meets the needs of the community. But in order to do that, I go back to the same thing, right? We have to we have to listen and understand. Well, what are the needs of the community? I, I worked in an area um, previously where it was a college prep school, similar to similar to here. And we were pushing college for a lot of the students, but the parents in the community said, yes, college is an option for my child. But I also want, it's important for me, it's important for, for my child to learn a trade, right? And like the, both of those things are true. Mm -hmm. And so what we had to do as a school was adjust to meet those needs. Great, we do push college really hard, but are we exposing our students to other avenues as well? Um, and so that is that is always my goal is to figure out what the needs of the of the community are um, and figure out how can I organize resources to meet those. Um, so that will conclude our interview. Okay. Thank you for your time. Yeah, Thank this you was for fun. the wonderful answers you provided. Of course. Um, and hopefully I can do another interview with you in the near future. I would love to. This is fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Speaking with Mr. Baker today, we learned that as schools and discipliners of young children in within the school, in order for them to have a sense of caring and safeness, when altercations do happen, it is best to deliver the correct punishment, but also encourage ways to do better. We also learned how starting in one place may not always be where you end up at. Thank you for joining me, and this is Getting Down to Business. Evidently, a kind and able man, when he said that transatlantic airfares were going up, whom was he speaking to? And I think this is almost the key, is it not? And even news that seems important, that need maybe, offered an abstract way. You're talking about specific lives, aren't you? The people you know, people you come from. I am, uh, although I, I'm also very much aware that we shouldn't underestimate these people. I've, I've uh, argued to do stories, for instance, at the commodities exchanges here, um, which had, television really hadn't covered up until a, a few years ago, not because people in back of the yards or on the northwest side are investing in commodities. Uh, 
news of investments, people who have them can get that through other means. But what happens on those exchanges is important to people. If um, if we've had some crop problems and the price of grain goes up, for example, that might mean we're going to be paying more for meat. And it's it's just more a matter of taking something that might seem to be complicated. Discussion with Pat Thompson on her background and her TV reporting career. You can find this interview on the WFMT Studs Turkle's radio archive. I would also like to thank Mr. Baker for sitting down and having this interview with me. Thank you and have a good day.